Hey, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, basics where, where life and faith intersect. And we're going to talk today about what, what are we, and in a couple of next week, what happens when we die, and is there an unseen world, and a few others. Let's stand together today, and let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who are we? You know, what am I? What, what's this life all about? I remember being in high school at Springfield High School here in town years ago, and my science teacher standing up in front of us one day and saying, we all might as well just face the fact that we're all just another form of animals. We're just animals. That's all we are. We've evolved into what we are from millions and millions of years, and we're nothing more than an animal. Is that what we are? You know, is, is, has nature somehow played this, this role of developing us into what we are so that today, you know, we live a few years on this earth and we have a little bit of consciousness and then we die and we are no more? Is that the sum total of it all? Some religions will tell you that what we are is that, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're a life force, a part, a part of the cosmic whole, and when we die... We will go back into that cosmic hole in some sense and be a part, and we'll lose our self-identity. Others will tell us we're reincarnated until we get there. There's all kinds of theories. But what does the Bible say about who we are? What does the Word of God tell us about who we are? Look look at this passage with me then, Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Father, help us to capture what this means today. Help us to walk in the truth of it and to live by it and to understand who we are before you. And Father, bear witness to your words of truth today as they are said in the hearts of each person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what the Bible says to us about who we are. The Bible says that you and me, that we are the creation of God, the intentional, purposeful creation of God. No matter what circumstances you were born into, whether you were born into circumstances that were ideal or whether you were born into circumstances that were very challenging, you are the intentional creation of God. He had you in his mind's eye, and he has an intent and a purpose for your life. In Psalm chapter 139, it says this. the, The psalmist is writing, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in this in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. The Bible's telling us here, and the psalmist is writing under the inspiration of God, that we were formed by God, intentionally formed. 
This is why we believe that, that life begins at conception, that the eternal life, a soul, has been, God has given the ability for us to pass, to be procreators, that as God created us, that we now are a part of the process of creation continuing, and that living soul is passed on from, and, and is birthed from one person into, an, into another. We see as we are created by God that he knew his intent for us and knows his intent for every day, yet we see from the very beginning of the Bible, from the very beginning of the Bible, that we have free will. We have free will. God's intent for us, God's plan for us, can be subverted by our own actions and our own desires. We can mess things up. We can harm things and make them harder. Or we can submit ourselves fully to God and find the fullness of God's plan. See, our choices lead us to places. Our choices take us someplace. Because God in his great power has given us the power to make those choices. The fact that we live in a fallen world impacts our life. And yet God loved us so much that he sent his son that we can have eternal life. So the question we ask is, what, what is the makeup of mankind? And we think of mankind, we think of all human beings. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is writing to them. And he gives us a little bit of insight into the, make, the makeup of who we are. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the, of the, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, body, that one's pretty easy, isn't it? We know what that means. How many of you in this room have a body? You all have a body? Anybody in here today without a body? Uh, we're all, we all have a body here today. If, you, if, you're concer- if you're confused about that, come by. We'll let you talk to some of our teachers, and they'll help you understand that we have a physical form. But we also have a soul. The soul in Scripture is defined as the mental being. This is, we became living souls when God breathed into mankind the breath of life. That means that soul is going to be living for eternity. It's going to spend eternity someplace, somewhere. That soul is going to exist. This is the the mental being, the passions, desires, the natural inclination of the person. And here in this scripture, we read about the spirit. This is the part of mankind that is capable of, of communion with God, where we can commune with the Spirit of God and know the Spirit of God and sense the Spirit of of God flowing through our soul and our body. This is not meant to describe us as having three parts. Paul, in most all of his writings, and in most of the writings of the Bible, it's more of a tendency to look at at us as a a people with a body and a soul as at the beginning of creation— But the Spirit is a very clear part of this in some way. Many believing that the Spirit and the soul are intricately woven together and connected uh, together. However, in the description of the sharpness of the Word of God 
and the clear work of the Word of God in our lives, listen to what is said in the book of Hebrews. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and the discerning and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's, it's telling the, the Word of God comes down moves in, in, even in our spirits and in our souls, and that God sees the intent of our heart. He knows our motivations. He knows how we act. There's no way we're going to stand before God and deceive him and trick him and say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. He knows. He knows exactly how you mean it. He knows exactly what your intent is. So here again we see uh, the body. So let me ask a couple questions. Uh, If you're saved, did you have a body before you were saved? The answer to that, of course, is yes. After you were saved, did you have a body? Yes. And, And they function. The bodies work. Uh, soul, did you have one before you were saved? The answer is yes, we had a soul before we were saved. And we have one after we saved, yes. Did it work? Well, it was corrupted. It worked, but it, you had feelings and passions and things, but it's been corrupted by the world, corrupted by your own passions, and corrupted by the body and the body's desires, and corrupted by the culture that we live in. And even after we get saved, We've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, to walk out of that corruption and learn how to be sanctified by the Spirit of God working in our life to be what God has. Or we continue to live corrupted lives. Spirit, did we have one? Yes, we did. But hear me, it was dead. It was dead. God told Adam, if you eat of this tree... The day you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Did his body die? No, his body didn't die. Did his soul die? Did his thinking and mental capacities and passions and desires, did those die? No, those didn't die. His spirit died. Remember, we're living souls. We're going to live for eternity. And remember that death in the Bible simply means separation. When Stephen was being stoned as the first martyr of the church, he looked up in the heaven, the heavens opened to him according to Scripture, and he says, I commend to you my spirit. His body didn't go up to heaven. His spirit went in the very presence of God. The body and the spirit were separated. This is what we believe about the believer. Jesus warned us in Scripture not to worry about those who could kill the flesh, But the worried about those who could destroy the soul and the spirit and cause us to have eternity separated from God. The writer in Hebrews said, is appointed a man once to die, and then the judgment. Then the judgment. The separate when the spirit goes to stand before God. Paul writes and says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's a separation He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain, because he goes to be in the presence of the Lord. John, in the book of Revelation, talks about the second death. 
The second death. So talking about the first death being when our flesh dies and stops to function and our spirit goes and stands before God and our flesh and our spirit are separated. The second death being when you stand before God and you have not been born again and your spirit is dead and the wrath of God remains on you and you are now separated from God for all eternity. The second death. He says, that's the one we need to really be concerned about. The spirit of man was separated because of sin from communion with God. The way we were made to be, the natural makeup of who we are, was destroyed at that minute. At that moment, the body wasn't supposed to control us. Um, the, the soulless man wasn't supposed to control us. The spirit in connection with God was supposed to bring balance and order to our life, and that gets separated when sin comes into the world, and now the war is on. Who's going to control me? What's going to control me? The body wants control. The body wrestles for control. The body tries to get us to do what it wants. There's the lust of the eyes that wants more and more and more that the body says, uh, that the Scripture says, will never be fulfilled. The body is constantly longing to get control of our life and our actions, trying to get us to give in and to do whatever is pleasing to the flesh in a moment, in a second. So the body is wrestling for control. You see this with people who are addicted. Addictions mean the body has wrestled and got what it's wanted, and the body is now in control. Over the years, I've, I've talked with, with parents and grandparents and husbands and wives who've got somebody who's addicted. And they'll look at me and they'll say, can't they see how much this is destroying them? They say, yeah, they, they absolutely can't see how much it's destroying them. Why can't they just stop then? Because they're addicted. Well, what does that mean? It means their body's in control. The spirit isn't in control. The body's in control. Well, why can't they see? Because the body has wrestled control. If you want to know what it's like to give up an addiction... It's really simple. I've said this a few times to you, so I want you to get this. You have an addiction. Every one of us do. Uh, just, you know, don't breathe for the next half hour. Your body is addicted to air. That's how a person feels who's addicted to alcohol. That's how they feel who's addicted to drugs. They can't imagine life without it because the body's in control. If the body doesn't get control, the soul wants control. The emotions of man, the feelings, the passions of man. That's why you see today in our society people saying things are natural and acceptable that are absolutely contrary to Scripture. They say, oh, I was born this way. I was made this way. This is who I am because their soul... And its passions without God 
have been corrupted by the world we live in and the passions of the flesh and the passions of the soul, and they have become corrupted in their thinking, and they think that they're right and it's natural and it's whole, and everything in them believes it. Because the soulish man is in control. And so they have great arguments and great people talk and, talk and argue about this and want to convince all of us that we should set aside Scripture and accept what they're saying as true. And in some sense, I can understand that and get it because they're thinking from this viewpoint of a man without spiritual connection to God. What was supposed to bring right bearing into our lives was the connection with God and God's Spirit being connected in us, feeding and controlling our soul and our flesh, bringing order to our soul and our flesh so that our soul and our flesh would be convicted by the Spirit, driven by the Spirit, informed by the Spirit of God inside of us, revealed in the Spirit, overcoming in the Spirit, so that we would not be controlled by the passions of the flesh, by the hurts of this world, by the desires of the flesh, or the desires of the soul, or the confusion of sin. We were supposed to be spiritually connected with God. That's what heaven's going to be like. But that was severed with sin. The connection between us and God was broken at sin, and we're no longer connected to the Spirit. This is why Jesus says, listen, listen to his words, you must be born again. You must be. If, you can't, if you're not born again, the Spirit never comes in a new connection with the Spirit you're never, if this spirit isn't revived in you and you're now connected, and that can only happen because the blood of Christ opens the door for us, for the price to be paid for us so that we are now in communion with God. If you don't let that happen, you're always going to be confused by this world. Are you, are you getting this? Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, uh, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus cuts right to the point. He cuts right to the point. He knows what the guy's asking. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we've talked about the kingdom of God, but let me refresh it. The kingdom of God is the rules of God. The order, how, how the world's supposed to function. When you come into the kingdom of God, it's like coming into another nation and you've got to conform to their rules and their laws or you're going to get thrown in jail. When you come into the kingdom of God, we're called to conform to the rules and the laws of God's kingdom. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You can't get there. You, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, 
that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He's saying you've got to be born. Your spirit's got to be reborn. It's got to come back to life. This happens when you're sitting in a place like this and the Spirit of God begins to reveal to you. He's talking about you. You're dead in your sin. You're dead in this world. You have never been born again. You've never invited Christ into your life. You've never accepted his work on the cross. And you are separated from God because of sin. And, I'm, and the Spirit comes and calls us, convicts us to repent and ask Christ into our life. And Jesus teaches that the man who calls upon his name will be saved. The Spirit will come in and do a work in his life. And the Spirit's reborn in us, and we're connected to God. Now, 1 Corinthians talks to us about how important this is. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. He's saying, you can't understand this. You can't get this. You're not going to naturally walk this way. Until the Spirit of God has moved in your life. And then you'll begin to understand the things freely given to us. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So you take these talking heads on TV, and they're trying to convince us that certain moral actions are okay, and you're trying to talk, somebody's trying to talk to them saying, no, before God they're not. That person's just looking at them. and they, they, I mean, it's, it's folly to them. It's ridiculous. It's antiquated. It's darkness. It's death. It's stupidity, and they treat you that way. Why? Because these things are not, these things are still of the flesh. They're still of the natural man. They don't get it that these things are of sin that destroy men and destroy the world and destroy us before God and that, that we need to walk in a different way. They don't get it because they've never been spiritually born. And the second you're spiritually born, and the Spirit of God begins to move in your life, things that you used to think were okay, all of a sudden you find yourself going, I shouldn't do that anymore. I don't feel good talking that way anymore. I don't feel good acting that way anymore. What? Because you begin to spiritually discern the Spirit of God moving in your life. See, this is why all this is important. We must be born again. This is why the most successful addiction programs that get people off of addictions emphasize a connection with God. Almost all of them emphasize a higher power. But if you really drill down into them and find the ones that have the most success, they're the Christian ones like Teen Challenge that, inter that introduce men and women into the presence of a living God and they receive Christ in their life and they begin to feed the spirit of man so that when he walks out of the door of that place, the spirit of man being connected with a living God rules his life instead of the flesh. All the ones that just try to get you to overcome it with the flesh, there's going to be very minimal success. 
Because the flesh is going to want what the flesh wants until the Spirit transforms the wants of our heart. We need, we've got to be born again. The Spirit must take over inside of us. We must begin to walk in the Spirit of God. What does the Bible say? They will know you are the children of God when you are led by the Spirit of God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 quickly. He says this, he, right, Paul writes to him, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. He's, he's, he's given a, a separation here. Don't walk as the unwise but as the wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in, in, the, in the English translation of this, it's easy to kind of get tripped. Oh, I, you know, I get saved, I'm filled with the Spirit, so now I've got it, right? I've got it, right? So I just kind of walk and I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit because we're born again by the power of the Spirit of God. But if you, if you study this verse carefully, you, you begin to understand that the terminology here isn't about a one-time experience. The terminology that's used here is, is about a constant and ongoing process. It's, it's about a continual work. It's about walking through life, as one writer put it, he put it this way, being, be, being filled with the Spirit. Let me say it again. Be, being filled with the Spirit. Walking through life, inviting the Spirit, inviting God into every area and every corner of your life, asking God to give you wisdom and discernment and to guide you in every circumstance of life, that you're inviting the Spirit to speak to your life, just like your flesh speaks to you, just like the soul and your desires and anger or frustration or lust or whatever speak to you, that you're inviting the Spirit to come and to speak to you, to be being filled with the Spirit to encourage the Spirit, to open your heart to the wooing and the moving of the Spirit. This is why I've told you on, on many occasions that it's great to get up in the morning, and when you get up in the morning before you do anything, sit there on the edge of your bed and say, God, this is your day. It's not my day. It's your day. I belong to you. Lead me by your Spirit today. Help me to hear your voice. Help me not to be so caught up in things that my flesh takes control. Help me not be so caught up in things that my soul, soulless man takes control. Let me walk as the wise, not the unwise. Lead me today. And then to listen for that. Then at the end of the day, to sit down at the edge of your bed before you put your head on the pillow and say, God, uh, how'd I do today? How'd today go? And it's at that moment the Spirit of the Lord says, um, you know that conversation you were in at lunch? Now you gave in to your soulless man there. You gave in to your flesh there. You didn't listen to me. And you realize, wow, I, mi I missed it there. Uh, you know that person you saw, and they, they talked to you, and, and they, they, they asked you, and they had a need? And you said, oh, well, I'll be praying for you. I wanted you to pray for them right then. I was giving you a chance right then, right there to stop and pray with them. 
the, the Spirit begins to speak to you. You know that, that confrontation you had? I, I wanted to be in the middle of that, and you didn't invite me in. And the Spirit begins to speak to us and talk to us. Remember that, that moment when you caved in under the pressure? If you'd asked me, I'd have given you strength to not cave in under the pressure. The Spirit wants to be there to lead us. He is there to lead us. But we have to be these people who are aware of the Spirit and are being led by the Spirit and who are inviting the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. We must understand who we are. We, are, we have a body. You've got a body. You've got a, you've got a soul that's going to live for eternity. And if you're born again, you have a living spirit connected with God. If we ignore the connection, we'll continue to walk as the unwise. We'll continue to walk in our own wisdom. I've seen this in many, many cases. People who just, just refuse to obey the Scripture, refuse to apply the Scripture in their life and their relationships, and they continue as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife in the foolishness of the world instead of the wisdom of God. And then they wonder why things are falling apart all around them. It's only here that we can say, when we submit ourselves fully to the Word of God, it's only here when we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God that we can say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, as long as you're disobeying the Word, as long as you're disobeying God, What's in you is not greater than anything. You're just part of the world. When you start inviting the Spirit to rule in you, then greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, how, how do we stay connected to the Spirit? Let me give you two very simple ways. The first way is this. To stay connected with the Spirit, we have to stay connected with the Word. With the Word. The Word of God is a... a a life-giving source to us. It's living and active as we read earlier. And as we become very serious, committed people to knowing God's Word and applying God's Word in our life, that's when we really begin to be filled with with the presence of God and are led by Him because now He moves in us through the Word. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, I love this last part, equipped for every good work. The Word of God speaks to us. It brings conviction to us. It brings challenge to us that opens our heart to the the dwelling and the moving of the Spirit of God. Hearing the Word builds faith. Hearing the Word builds faith. Reading the Word brings clarity. This is why, you know, we have services and we preach and we teach with the hope that when you walk out the door today, you'll walk out going, you know, I am a spiritual being. I've been born again, and I'm connected with God, and I I need to start listening to Him more. I need to start paying attention. I need to start making Him more of an active part of my life, and it builds your faith to listen to Him. 
It's why we have lessons like we're doing with Equip, where we, where all, this whole summer we talked about more than a book, so you can understand how the Bible's written, understand what's going on in the Bible, and understand what's happening in the Bible, so that you can read it and know it, and rightly divine the Word of God. It's why we have classes going on right now, going through Jesus' teaching on, 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 on Thursday night, on, on uh, on, on Sermon on the Mount, so we can understand this main treaty that, that the Lord lays before us about how His kingdom works, so that we can apply His Word and the Spirit can feed us out of His Word so that we can grow in connection with Him. But you've got to be serious about knowing the Word. So I, I ask you, you know, you're here today, so good for you. It's good. Do you read the Bible? Are you serious about knowing it? Are you giving yourself, say, you know what, I want to be better to understand the Bible this year than I was last year, and then the next year better than that? Are you committed to saying, I want to feed my spirit from the Word of God? You know, we take care of our physical health, or we take care of our spiritual health. Here's the second way where we keep our, our spirit really fed. We, we, we feed our spirit our, our spirit gets connected with God, and we feed our spirit uh, through worship. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us to pray. He's really given us a list of prayer topics to pray under. And it starts out with, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, those of us who've grown up in America, we have a harder time understanding that than the Jewish people who heard it that day did. They, they understood it more clearly than we do because they understood the Old Testament and the names of God that are listed in the Old Testament, how God describes himself in the Old Testament. That he's Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. He goes on through these names of God that he's our covering, he's our protector, he's our healer, he's all these wonderful things that are revealed when he describes himself to people in the Bible. And so what Jesus is telling them is go back and thank God, go back and respect and worship God for who he is and who he will be in your life. I want to tell you, this is transformational in your prayer time. When your prayer time switches from being mainly about, God, give me this, give me that, do this for me. God, what about this? God, go, uh, go take care of that. Uh, God, can you wipe out that guy and bless this guy? Uh, when your prayer time changes from that kind of stuff, and your prayer time, instead of being dominant about requests, becomes dominant about thanking God for who he is. Reminding, oh, God, you are the all-present God, you're with me everywhere I go. I thank you for being with me everywhere I go. That blows me away, God, that you're with me everywhere I go. And not only with me, but with all my friends and all my kids and all my family. God, that's, that's, that's mind-blowing. You're so awesome. I thank you for being with God, you are all-powerful. There's nothing I will ever face that you're not bigger than greater than that. You're, you're all-powerful. God, you are my provider. You provide for me. You care for me. God, it's so awesome to think, and God... Look how you took care of me this week and the week before. Right up to this moment, you've been taking care of me. When you spend time doing that, then when you turn to your prayers and requests, your supplications, which are all right to bring before God, you pray with a different spirit 
because now you're praying out of this faith and knowledge of who God is that you've been reminded in your spirit, and you're going, God, I know this isn't such a big deal to you. It seems like a big deal to me, but God, I have faith. You are my, you've provided for me. You've cared for me. You've been with me. It just changes the way you approach your prayer time because you started it with recognizing who God is and your spirit's been connected with who God is. And now the things that you're facing, their size shrinks because you've expanded in your understanding and the growth of your spirit who God is to you. So here's the deal. Who are we? We are the creation of God. We are living souls that are going to spend eternity someplace. If you are born again, you have been, your spirit has been reborn to have connection with God that will help you as you are guided by his word and by his spirit to face every issue of life with wisdom instead of foolishness. But you have the free choice. God woos, he calls, he moves in our life. But it's up to us to obey. It's up to us to learn. It's up to us to grow. And the first decision is it's up to us to recognize that he is king of kings and lord of lords and invite him to be the savior of our souls. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I pray you'd bring this to clarity in our minds and our hearts and touch us for your glory. Father, there are some in this room that are Christians that need to just begin to become more sensitive to the leading of your Spirit every day in their life. Seem to open their heart to you. They've been born again by their faith in your Son and your grace. But Lord, you didn't stop there. You taught us that we're supposed to be people led by your Spirit. You didn't just save us and Lord, tell us to go on with our life. You told us that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, help us to follow that and to walk in it and to have the fullness of your victory in our life. Father, there may be some in this place today who very simply need to come to a faith in Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Your Spirit has been beckoning to them today. Your Spirit has been telling them deep in their heart, that has not happened to you yet. And they hear this cry, and they know they need to receive you in their life. I pray that this morning, before they leave this place, they would take the bold step of faith, led by your Spirit, to ask your Son into their life as their Lord and their Savior, and that your Spirit would baptize them into your body and they would be born again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want you to know I love you. God loves you. Let us be people who walk in the Spirit. But I'm glad you're here today. Hope to see you later this week. God bless you.